Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology. We are going to be taking one more look at some of the planetary combinations that are in the sky at the time of this weekend's eclipse. In particular, Mercury and Mars in the sign of Scorpio are coming together in a conjunction and opposing Jupiter in Taurus almost at the exact same time that the lunar eclipse is forming in Taurus this weekend. So we are going to look at the combination of Mercury-Mars in Scorpio opposite Jupiter, um, what to watch for with that archetypal combination, and some thoughts on how these themes may contribute to your eclipse experience uh, uh, that's coming up on the 28th. So that's our agenda for today. Before we get into it, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments and uh, reflections in the um, comment section. That really helps the channel to grow. Transcripts of any of my daily talks can be found on the website nightlightastrology.com. When you are over there right now, don't forget we are in enrollment season right now, as you guys know, uh, promoting the new class, Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic. You've heard some alumni talk about it recently. If you missed that video, be sure to check it out so you can hear what students have had to say about their experience in the program. Click on the first year course tab, scroll down to learn more about it. It starts November 18th. We still have uh, time and room in the class to take uh, your enrollment. And as you scroll down, you can learn about everything the course includes. The main thing to know is that everything is held via live webinar. There's 30 classes on the year plus 12 guest lectures. And we have breakout study sessions in between. Everything is hosted via live webinar, but if you can't make it, it's all also hosted on a class website. Uh, and the replays are available for everything. You can download them or watch them through the website either way. All of the course bonus material, a workbook, quizzes, uh, if you want to take the optional certification at the end. People sometimes will go really deeply into the bonus material that we provide, which is more than enough to keep you busy. Uh, and and then some people take it more, you know, they, they pick and choose what they want from the class because they might, you might be doing this because it's your hobby uh, and you don't have maybe the intention to go professional or whatever. So it kind of meets people where they're at. Um, you can participate in a group forum discussion throughout the year where there is a staff of tutors who also answer any questions that you have. You can email me throughout the year for questions. Um, and at the bottom of the page, you'll find enrollment options. Early bird saves you $500 off. There is a payment plan. I highly recommend using it for people who just want to spread out the tuition a little bit. Uh, that's a really good plan that a lot of people take advantage of. And then finally, there's the need-based tuition, which we do still have room for. So if you would like to utilize the need-based tuition, this is for anyone who would like to study, but has to work within a little bit of a tight or fixed budget. You're working part-time, you're in between jobs, you have a big debt load, you got a family, you're a single parent, whatever the case might be, we know that sometimes people need a little bit of flexibility to make sure that they're not hurting themselves to study something that they love that will be of spiritual benefit for your life, or maybe even something you could turn into um, part-time or full-time work. A lot of our students read for people coming out of the first-year program. Most students who go professional will take years one, two, maybe even three, and horary. Uh, but at any rate, uh, you are welcome to use the need-based tuition assistance um, if it would be of benefit to you. So check that out. Any questions you have about the program or the need-based tuition, email us info at nightlightastrology.com. Can't wait to start that new program pretty soon now. All right. Well, let's take a look at the eclipse and remind ourselves of what the heck is going on. And uh, we'll go from there. So here is the, here is the eclipse on the screen. 
you're going to see lunar eclipse in Taurus. It's a full moon that creates the lunar eclipse always. So you see it's opposite the sun in Scorpio. This is Saturday, October 28th coming up. And um, the effects of eclipses last for a while. So it's not just one day that you'll be experiencing this, but the events uh, associated with this weekend's eclipse will play out over the next several months to come. Though in a way, this is also because it's the final eclipse across the Taurus-Scorpio axis, something we spent time talking about earlier this week, you may also notice that it has a kind of cumulative effect. It feels like a longer cycle is coming to some kind of conclusion. And um, you'll notice that the um, at the time of the eclipse, what we're going to spend time with today is the fact that Mercury and Mars are coming together in the sign of Scorpio right here and they are also moving into an opposition with jupiter in taurus who's also at 11 degrees so this is this little confluence of an opposition between three planets is happening at the same time that the lunar eclipse is happening they're so close together that we can consider the two events as having um significance for one another so the easiest way that I thought to address this would be to start with some reminders about the archetypal nature of Mercury, Mars, opposite Jupiter. Let's start with just a few reminders about Mercury and Mars. Mercury and Mars traditionally were associated with um, people who were very talented athletes or uh, warriors, uh, for example, like wrestlers or people who might be good at like jujitsu, uh, Mercury-Mars combination. Mercury was a god associated with sports and Mars was associated with war. And so like a, a extreme athletic sports, it could be surfing, it could be, I don't know, anything. Like, what, what am I, th oh, what's the thing? Kite, kiteboarding, what should people do? I saw people doing this on Lake Michigan when I was visiting my mom who lives near Lake Michigan. It was, like, it was really impressive, but people who have um, you know, sort of dazzling athletic ability, sometimes Mercury-Mars. Mercury-Mars also traditionally associated with the skill or knowledge necessary to do technically precise things uh, that involve cutting or like, like the knowledge of cooking, chemistry, surgery could be Mercury-Mars. Um, anything that would be like a very... Um, precise and almost like incisive or cutting analytical skill set would be Mercury Mars. Mercury Mars in Scorpio associated with things like investigative journalism or uh, probing deep in investigation into things that lie beneath the surface of things, very scorpionic. So Mercury Mars is a wonderful combination in Scorpio. I think that it can be sharp tongued. It can be a little bit verbally or mentally combative you know, and competitive. Um, it can also be about exploring underlying patterns of thought and speech and what hurts versus what heals. It can be a lot of a lot of things that combine positively the mental dexterity and adaptability of Mercury with the sort of incisive cutting, strong um, warrior-like qualities of Mars. Um, but also the the potential for, I think of like a, you know, like a someone who strikes like a serpent, you know, like a quick strike from a cobra or something with words or thoughts or ideas that that can harm people like verbal abuse, emotional, verbal, mental forms of abuse could be Mercury, Mars and Scorpio. So 
Um, this combination is now opposite Jupiter, which is nice because Jupiter will, as a benefic, it bonifies, which means that it, it generally makes things better or more comfortable. So when you put these together, you get an interesting set of archetypal combinations. And I just have five for us to look at. And then what we'll do is we'll take these and we'll say, this is, we'll, we'll try to address how we place these within the context of the lunar eclipse. So number one is victory. Mercury and Mars opposite Jupiter can literally just be a sign of victory. It could be victory mentally, athletically, in asserting your will, your voice, in communicating something effectively, in negotiating a deal, um, in getting something done, in coming to a place of understanding that makes you feel like you really learned something or you passed a test or um, you, know, you got a good score on your SAT or something. Mercury, Mars opposite Jupiter can represent all different kinds of physical, mental, and emotional moments of victory, celebration, accomplishment, and that's one of the most exciting pieces about this um, is that we have just a signature in the air of success and of accomplishment, especially for things that we've had to take a long time to learn or that have required a, a deeper um, emotional and intellectual capacity that we feel like we're starting to understand something or we feel like we're having we're, we're experiencing a rapid period of, of uh, breakthrough and progress relative to um, something we're trying to learn or cultivate. And, and all of a sudden we just feel like we're supported and it's growing and there's a sense of progress or victory. So that's number one. Number two would be bravado. And this can be just like being overly cocksure or confident um, mentally, verbally, emotionally, sort of it just take Jupiter, take Mercury, Mars, and just sort of amplify and blow it up and exaggerate it with Jupiter's opposition. And you get something like people who overestimate the importance of their thoughts or words or feelings or their needs or desires or demands or their will in their way. And it just gets to be a little um, like arrogant or there's a kind of machismo and a sense of being, you know, like, oh, I'm Zeus, right? <laughs> Especially, again, when it comes to words, thoughts, communication, and the will, and the sense that they're all getting blown up, um, but maybe um, to a level that is not good for us and maybe obnoxious to others. So watch for the element of bravado. Now, the next one, incisive, analytical, and broad-minded. The incisive, analytical qualities are really Mars and Mercury's. But when you add them to Jupiter, you get sometimes the incisive and analytical qualities have a deconstructive component so that you're taking something apart or you're analyzing it or breaking it down or like a scalpel, you're cutting very, very carefully. But Jupiter gives you that sense of broad mindedness or another word could have been um, incisive, analytical and cohesive broad-minded, cohesive, seeking for larger unities, those are things that Jupiter loves to do. And so when you pair that with the incisive and analytical things, it's sort of like someone who's studying anatomy and physiology, breaking things down while simultaneously developing their understanding of a larger system of organs or a system of the body. This is a great transit, for example, for having some breakthroughs in your understanding of a subject through uh, uh, an analytical investigation process, like pulling things apart 
in order to develop a broader understanding of a, a system um, on the whole. <clears throat> Another one would be like, let's say that you're, you're studying um, the history of, um, I don't know, like the history of the Catholic church or something. Let's say you're a Catholic and you're studying all of the political maneuverings of the church. This can lead you to a broader understanding of the history of the church and of your own faith within that history, how it is, what it has received that is a benefit and where you depart or feel like you don't identify with something. So the ability to make meaningful distinctions like this, not that, while also developing some broad way of, um, okay, let me give you a different example. So let's say in astrology, you were to study, an, you were to break apart four or five different schools of astrology and really get into the details of what makes them each unique and different from one another. By doing so, you may, out of four or five schools that you study, decide that three or four of them are not for you. Well, you have also developed a broad appreciation for the history of astrology and all of these diverse schools that exist. So you can simultaneously say, well, these aren't for me, but I appreciate how they participate in the broader field of astrology itself. So Mercury, Mars opposite Jupiter gives us this ability to break things apart while also meaningfully placing them in a broader feeling of a broader sense of a broader unity. That's what I'm looking for. <laughs> Uh, so <laughs> it's funny how Mercury, Mars, and Jupiter are sort of at play in my struggle to articulate myself. And yet, hopefully, it all makes sense in my in the context of my little list. Now, uh, number four would be getting clear about a path of study or inquiry. Um, Mercury, Mars, opposite Jupiter can also be about understanding what you are motivated or excited by intellectually or spiritually. It's like a time where your compass for religious or spiritual groups, communities, topics, subjects um, is being reoriented. And suddenly you go, oh, I'd like to dive a lot deeper into this subject in this way with this kind of learning style. So clarifying for yourself what you need as a learner, as a thinker, um, as a believer, as you know, it's like a, a time where you can question, clarify, doubt, contend with different ideas as a means of clarifying your own orientation with something. So um, also have to be honest, this will be a time where you will see people going at it in debate with a lot of self-righteousness and I'm right, you're wrong, my way or the highway. Uh, this is a potentially going to create an aura of self-righteous combativeness around values, beliefs, doctrines, dogmas, political orientations, and so forth. It would not be surprising to see people really getting jacked up about um, what they believe. And obviously, there's a bit of that in the collective air right now as well. Um, so you may notice that that energy is playing out in your personal life that you feel a need to go to war over ideas or beliefs or values or some kind of orientation. Um, all I can say is that this too will pass and you want to be careful that you, you don't let a self-righteous bravado um, uh, into discussions or um, 
relationship dynamics that it, you know, it could really hurt in the long run. It's like, find a way of being broad minded and yet in, incisive, clear, direct, smart, intelligent about what you think or believe. Can we be both, you know, incisive and broad minded at the same time? Can we be, you know, have a, a, a piercing direct uh, thought or need or idea at while at the same time, holding a space of serenity, a larger cosmic sense of things that everything is somehow in its right place, even if we are having to articulate our relative orientation or a stand that we're taking within that larger framework. Those are big questions right now and ones to keep in mind if we find ourselves getting drawn into conflict where there's a lot of amped up um, machismo or, or self-righteousness. Okay, anyway, number five is motivational figures or domineering figures. A motivational figure with this kind of configuration would be like, I had a swimming coach and he was like tough. He was actually, he was, he was the girls high school swimming coach, but I would go and swim in the mornings before school um, when there was uh, open lap swim and a lot of the swimmers on the team would go and, and swim and get a morning workout in. And he was the girls high school swim coach um, but he was a member of my dad's church or, or I guess the church. And, um, I was, I don't know why I think about it that way, but anyway, so he was a member of the church and he knew me from church. And so he would give me coaching in my morning practice, even though I had a separate coach for the boys team and man, he was so tough, but so kind. Um, he was, he was tough and motivating, but also had this very, um, just big hearted, easygoing quality that never made me feel like he was angry or like he was trying to get the best out of me by like, you know, like, like, like whipping me or something. You know what I mean? Like the, the, the drumming instructor in the movie Whiplash. Do you guys ever see that? I forget what that guy's name is, but he was an, like an impressive and domineering figure. And he certainly got the most out of the boy who was the drummer, but in a way that makes you wonder, you know, like, is this, this is like almost like a, he was like a sadomasochist or something. So, you know, this is a really interesting time when it comes to figures that can motivate us and draw the best out of us and make us go deep, whether it's a therapist, a coach, a mentor, a teacher, a professor, uh, you know, something like that. Um, but you also, you, you want to make sure that it's, you know, you're, you're being pushed, motivated, encouraged, uh, that it's, that you're being pushed to find your edge, but that you're not being like harmed. And so that's, that's tricky. We, we have to figure that out, but this is an amazing transit for getting in touch with people who push us in a good way. Um, on the other hand, you have to watch out for the exact same configuration being associated with domineering people, people who are here to elevate themselves by cutting you down. And they might mask that in the a feeling that like, I'm doing this because it's good for you or something like that. Okay. So these qualities are some, just a, a short list of things that you can watch for with Mercury, Mars opposite Jupiter over the weekend. Um, as far as how they play into a lunar eclipse in Taurus, I think it's really interesting. Because the lunar eclipse in Taurus is, it, it's bringing about the 
um, cumulative effects of the entire series of eclipses in Taurus. We talked about the mythology of Taurus and some of the Taurian dualities, stability versus stagnation, desire versus lust, um, security versus possessiveness, the bull versus the minotaur. I wonder right now when it comes to, let's just call it our desire body, the desire body being the, the part of us that seeks out sensual fulfillment um, and uh, peace, stability, serenity, simplicity, joy, ease, comfort, that we, we seek those experiences like we look for cow-eyed Aphrodite, as Liz Green was saying in the text we read earlier this week. So we, we seek those things out. The extent to which there is a minotaur lurking is in many ways uh, the extent to which we have not questioned or looked carefully and deeply at our desires. Something about these energies may force us to do that. At the same time, the Jupiter in Taurus piece is, you know, it's like you have to temper the... Um, the part of us that wants to rid ourselves of impurities or or darkness or greed or lust or possessiveness can actually be just as possessive and um, destructive as the part of us that, you know, wants to eat too much pie, <laughs> you know, too, too many slices of pie. The part of us that wants to be pure and rid ourselves of darkness, right? That can be the kind of shadow of Mercury, Mars, and Scorpio uh, sort of accosting uh, Jupiter and Taurus. So I wonder if right now we aren't being asked to look carefully at our desires and the shadows of our desires, while also learning to hold space for the healthiest version of them. And if that isn't something of the process that the Mercury-Mars opposite Jupiter isn't reflecting, an opportunity for, for deeper investigation into the shadows of our desires, our longings for Taurian abundance, peace, love, joy, simplicity, ease, sensual fulfillment. Like, let's look at the shadows of those things, but not so intensely that we are uh, troubling the waters, you know, that we're, that we're disturbing the peace. Um, how can we hold the peace while also looking at the shadows carefully? That's the broad-minded and analytical. That's the supportive, affirming, unifying, peaceful Jupiter and Taurus with the investigative depth and intensity of Mercury, Mars, and Scorpio. How, how do we hold those archetypal qualities simultaneously? Um, I think that's the question that will accompany us as we do some final reflecting on all of the wisdom that the sign of Taurus has been providing for us over the past couple of years. I hope that's clear enough um, and that you you get something useful out of this to take into the weekend. Interestingly, we are going to be looking at the moon uh, in Taurus to close the week through our um, through our uh, um, Planets and Profile series, excuse me. So stay tuned for that and some great poetry from our friend Kaylee Haynes, who is uh, contributing spoken word poetry um, for the goddess um, the moon through each of the signs, something that she's doing kind of inspired poetry for. So I hope you guys will enjoy that. That's coming up. That's it for now. Uh, I hope you guys have a great eclipse weekend and be sure to tell us your stories. If you've got a good one, use the hashtag grabbed always, or uh, in the comment section or email it to us, grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. After eclipse season, we'll be doing another uh, storytelling episode soon. All right, that's it. Hope you guys are having a good one. Bye.